BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, it's Michael over at Rain of Troy Radio. And this is Alicia. And we are going to give you a free preview of what we're doing on Patreon starting this week. For two weeks, a 10-part preview series of the USC Trojans going into fall camp. Yeah, we're going to look at every position group, talk through uh, who's coming back, who's coming in, and what it all is going to look like. Like, you know, what to expect from them in fall camp and in the season, what they need to do, uh, what we hope they do, all that kind of stuff, breaking down... You know, getting getting down in detail with uh, discussing pretty much every guy on the roster. Yep, it's a 10-part series starting today over on Patreon. But the first one you can listen to here on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and all that. But if you dig it, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. You get all of our bonus episodes for five fifty five a month. For 10 bucks. you can join our Slack channel and talk to us anytime you want. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio here on Patreon. It is the start of our position preview podcast series. Here on Patreon, we are going to start on defense this time, leading into the 2019 USC football season. This is going to be a 10-part series talking every single weekday from here until next Friday for the next two weeks about USC position groups leading you into the season. We're going to start the defensive line. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Daratolo. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. It is time for position previews. The season is right around the corner. And this is, since this is the second year we're doing this, I, it's, it's weird to say that this is my new favorite thing because we haven't been doing it that long. But this is kind of like my new favorite thing because this is the ultimate sign that the season is near. We're two weeks away from fall camp. Two freaking weeks. How, like, this is the longest off-season of our lives, and suddenly it's coming to an end abruptly. I had that realization when Gavin Morris tweeted on uh, uh, this past week that, uh, or I suppose it would be called last week, that this would be his last Saturday off for a very long time, and it kind of hit me. Like, oh, yeah, can relate. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I'm sitting here thinking, like, what am I going to do for Throwback Thursday next week? And then I realized, like, 
yo, Alicia, you're not going to have time to do a throwback Thursday because Pac-12 Media Day and fall camp previews and this, that, and the other thing. So it is very much arrived. We're about to get very, 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 very busy. The return of fall camp also means the return of practice car casts, the return of inside the scrum, the return of all that kind of stuff so that the season is now officially barreling towards us. And it kind of just, it kind of just happened. Yeah, kind of just happened indeed. And here on Patreon for Rain of Troy Radio is where you can get all of that stuff. We're glad to have you. Glad to have your board for another season of USC Football Talk here for the Reign of Troy, especially on Patreon. Let's get into this. Talk about the D-line. This is an interesting position group um, because they don't lose much from last year. Malik Dorton is gone, but Christian Rector's back. Uh, Brandon Peely's back. Jay Tufele is back. Marlon Tuipolotu is back. Uh, Jacob Lichtenstein is back. All these guys that either were... You know, impressive players for USC last year at least sh- showed signs of life or you have hope for are all back. And it's an interesting position because they're in a little bit of a transitional phase, changing from what at one point was a two-man front to a three-man front to potentially a four-man front uh, this fall. How do you feel about this group in general going into the season? I think a, a lot hinges on this group. Uh, unfortunately, coming off five and seven, there are a lot of position groups that we're going to talk about having a lot hinging on them. But part of me thinks that the what happens to the rest of the defense this year, talking about rebuilding the secondary, talking about adjusting to new alignments in, with the linebacker group, all of those things are going to be built on top of whatever USC does on the defensive line. I think the biggest problem last year for USC's defense, aside from putting injuries and all of that kind of stuff aside, was really just that the defensive line didn't perform at the level that they needed them to. USC needs their defensive line to be producing havoc plays, to be getting to the quarterback, to be rattling opposing backfields, and frankly, they just didn't do it enough. Um, They were pretty much like, the what, the almost men or something like that. Like, Christian Rector was close, but didn't get you know, half of the sacks that he that he could have gotten. And once Port Augustine was gone, they just didn't pr- they just didn't consistently produce the, uh, the those havoc plays that, that you needed them uh, to produce. And, and that pretty much set the tone for everything, because when you're not doing those things, you're, you're kind of leading, leaving your your secondary and stuff out to dry. And, and as impressive as like Port Augustine was, um, since we're going to talk about the defensive line now, including that predator spot if it even even still technically exists port augustine as impressive as he was leading the team in tackles for loss leading the team in sacks that he led the team in tackles for loss and sacks and only played in six games kind of says everything doesn't it 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 does um you know usc's defense last year left a lot to be desired Uh, i thought there were instances where they were the most impressive side of the ball for USC, but how much of that is an indictment on the offense? A lot of it, right? Um, but I think for the most part, it's that this defense was young last year, and this, de- you know, I think the the coaches can play the offense was young card, but I think it made more sense on the defense, and I think that a lot of people gave gave the defense a little bit more benefit of the doubt than the offense because the offense had so many guys back last year uh, and they're going to have a lot of guys back this year too. Um, but you see it, you saw it with the defensive line because Marlon Tuipolotu was a redshirt freshman last year and Brandon Peely was going into his sophomore year and Christian Rector wasn't an all-out starter. 
uh, until he, you know, took over for Port Augustine again. And you had these guys who were still coming into their own. And they did that last year as the season went on, but they still just didn't take that step forward to get the ultimate production statistically, which is what you want to see this year. You want to see all that stuff come down to actually producing the numbers um, that you just didn't see last year. Yeah, and I think you bring up Christian Rector not being, you know, sort of figuring out what who Christian Rector was and where he was supposed to be in 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 relation to Port Augustine. He practiced spring camp. He practiced all fall camp as a defensive end. He was supposed to be the third man in that in that front. And then as soon as Port Augustine goes down, he's back shifted out to that outside linebacker spot, which, right. you know, he was the only one capable of filling in for Port Augustine. But it's also it, that position was made for Port Augustine, more or less. And uh, I talked about this on another on another podcast or maybe it was with the Wildcat radio guys where I was I was talking about how, you know, the the defense was they were still running a defensive scheme that worked in 2015, 2016 when they had Stevie Tuikolavatu, Tui Rasheem Green, Achenna and Port Augustine. You could do a two man front with two outside linebackers in that front and it would work out because you had that personnel. You got further away from it in 2017, but you still had the production because you had Rasheem Green and you had a Chenonwosu and you had partially Port Augustine. But once you got further out from that in 20 in 2018, you you don't have those guys anymore. And you're trying to fit square pegs and round holes. And Christian Rector, to me, is a guy that, that you could look at and say, well, part of the reason that he wasn't as effective in 2018 as he had been in moments in 2017 and, and otherwise is because... He was once again playing the square peg and round hole role. And this year, it, based on what they what they said in spring camp, the idea with him is, is very much to let him be a defensive end and not try to ask him to do anything more than just have his hand in the dirt and go get the quarterback. And I think that might be the kind of thing that makes a huge difference for him as a player, but also for this defense, the defensive line in particular overall, is that the front that they're moving to is is a reflection of the personnel that they have instead of trying to fit the personnel that they have into the ideas that worked two years before, but with different players. Yeah, and I want to see if that allows him to be more consistent because that's been the problem with Christian Rector. He's someone that we know can be a dynamic player and a huge playmaker for USC on defense. We've seen it. Um, he was a midseason All-American like two years ago, right? Like, yeah. There, there's a lot of that in him. The problem is just the consistency. And you look at last year; he had nine tackles for loss. Seven came in two games. He yeah. had four and a half sacks. All of that came in two games at Utah and at Oregon. And if I remember right, like it was all the first half of that that Utah game. He was in the backfield on every single play, um, and he was either you know, unable to to make the tackle or he was making a huge impact play and, you know, setting Utah back for a loss. And that stuff is great when he can get those plays, but you want to see consistency uh, from him. And you want to see consistency from Jay Tupale, who's still developing, and from Marlon Tuipolotu, who's still developing, and from Brandon Peely, who had a sophomore year that kind of took a step back from what we expected from him as a freshman, where he kind of outdid his freshman expectations. So, it's kind of an interesting year in that sense from those four guys, but you also get to see what happens with Connor Murphy. And I think Connor Murphy is kind of the biggest wild card here because he gets a chance at defensive end. Uh, he was previously a predator, then they moved him in. Um, last year, he, he ended up redshirting. 
what happens to Connor Murphy this year in a in a new look defensive front with with Clancy Pendergast? Is this the year we finally see what? people were expecting when SC signed him three years ago? Well, if he can't make it work this year, then he just can't make it work flat out. Like, that's the thing is he he clearly didn't suit the outside linebacker position uh, the way that they were trying to do. Um, the the experiment of him moving back inside was pretty much nixed because of, of health issues that he had. He couldn't keep on weight. Um, because of a of a health problem and, and that he's now through that, but he's now going to be in a situation where this feels like the more natural place for him to begin with. Kind of like Christian Rector. He's obviously a little bit slimmer than Christian Rector, but you expect him to continue to put on weight and then just have his hand into the dirt and go after the quarterback, which was what he was good at when he was coming out of high school. Uh, so I, I agree with you. I think he is the big well, he is the big wild card in a in a group full of wild cards, I think, once you get away from those initial four guys that you talk about. Everyone behind them are guys that you look at and go like, man, there's there's something there, but I don't know if I'm going to bank on it yet. And based on his spring camp performance, I think that I think that Connor Murphy has certainly set himself up to be in the conversation there. Um, he does need to continue to add some bulk and he does need to continue to prove that he deserves to be out on the field because, quite frankly, there's going to be a ton of competition behind the uh, for those defensive end spots that are you know that is not filled by Christian Rector, whether it is subbing in for Christian Rector or playing opposite him, you got Connor Murphy, who we agree is a wild card. Caleb Tremblay, who has is almost an injury wild card. We expected more from him last year, but he dealt with injury. Um, and you, we haven't you know we haven't even mentioned Drake Jackson yet, who is the ultimate high ceiling guy on that defensive front for USC. So, and, and, and Nick Figueroa also another Juco transfer that USC is going to try and get something out of. So Connor Murphy is going to have tons of competition, but the nice thing about it that, that I'm looking forward to is, and this is very much a Pete Carroll mindset, like competition is good and the cream of the crop will rise. Uh, And, and Connor Murphy may be that guy. Maybe that guy is Drake Jackson. Maybe that guy is Caleb Tremblay. I, I I genuinely don't know right now, but we're set up for a very, very intriguing fall camp as a result because I can see any one of those guys pushing forward and making their making their stand. Yeah, I think that's why I like this unit out of everything. Uh, I, I know we tend to do this every single year. We, we talk about a unit that has a bunch of hopeful guys and a, a bunch of talented and, um, you know, promising players that have flashed but necessarily haven't put it together and there's a big group of them and you say this might be end up being the best unit because there's so much depth that you know two of these guys are bound to be studs and yeah maybe one or two will get hurt or or be disappointing but there's there's so much depth that they're going to prove to be you know good as a unit and I think this might be that unit for USC particularly on defense when you have so many defensive ends like Rector and Murphy and Tremblay and Lichtenstein and Figueroa and Jackson and all these guys that can kind of compete there because, yeah, Rector has a job you would have to say, but the other one is completely wide open. And then inside, Peely, Tufele, Tuapolotu, Trout, uh, Tafo'o, like there's these dudes. There's just so many dudes. Someone's going to raise to the top. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the thing, too. The years that we've been covering this team, Michael, I, I, the defensive line never had very good depth at all. And last year it had better depth, but it also it felt like there was more dead weight. And and I don't want to say like dead weight in a sense of um, in, in like a negative, but in terms of the guys that you didn't you, you knew you didn't want to see 
because they weren't ready to play. I always think back to uh, to 2017 when when Liam Jimmins and Brandon Peely and those guys are getting thrown in there and you know you look at them and go like well they're doing the best they can but they weren't ready necessarily for that role that's what that's why Notre Dame happened that year that's why that blowout happened um the number of guys in this group where I look at and think he's not ready to play yet is very limited and it takes it takes a little bit of digging down the depth chart more so than we've had in the past at least because I do feel like Connor Murphy could do a job for USC. I do feel like Caleb Tremblay has the ability to do a job for USC. I like Jacob Lichtenstein a ton as a guy who is who has developed a ton since he got there. Um, The only ones that I I mean, looking, we have we have the list of everyone in this in this position group in front of us right now. And the only ones that I'm uncertain of right now at this stage are Trevor Trout. And that's just because he's been injured since he arrived. And I don't know where he's at as far as the defensive tackles go, nose tackles go. Um, I've already seen enough of Nick Figaro and Drake Jackson to say good hands right there. No no big concerns. Stanley uh, Taufu is probably just a little bit underdeveloped as having moved from linebacker to, to defensive tackle more or less. I, I don't know exactly where he's going to line up, but he probably is someone you don't want to see in 2019 because you need him to. He's he's where Jacob Lichtenstein was a couple of years ago where he just needs to get his feet wet. And then right. Deshaun Benton, I don't know what Deshaun Benton's role is, but I mean, that's what, three, four guys out of 15 that I'm looking at going like, I don't want to see them on the field this year. And But there's so much depth that you yeah, don't need to, right? Like, I don't think we're in danger of seeing those guys on the field next year, this year, unless they get that playing time because they, they've earned it. Right. Well, plus the, you're going to have the four games to redshirt. Um, yeah, so oh, exactly. We'll, we'll see DeJean Benton at some point. Uh, it's just a matter of when. And uh, as long as all those guys stay healthy, everyone will play at some point against somebody, um, even though there's no Oregon State and there's no UC Davis on this, this schedule. So but one one could so hope knows? that one could hope that USC wins a few games, wins a couple games by bigger margins to allow fourth quarter bench clearing, which I, I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. <laughs> when was the last time USC had a... Solid fourth quarter bench clearing. I I I can't remember. It's the 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 quote stained. It's been a while. <laughs> it's oh, absolutely that's a wonderful reference. Yeah, it's absolutely been a while. There's a lot of dudes here. I think that's what we keep saying. Uh, let's talk about the biggest battle because inside, let's focus on the inside guys really quick here and, and talk about the battle there. Tufale has a spot, right? Like he is yes. going to start. But who's the other tackle? Is it Peely? Is it Tui Pelotu? Like who wins that battle between those two guys? And is that the biggest battle of the defensive front overall? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's the biggest battle even though I think that the other defensive end position is probably the most cloudy. Um, but the biggest battle is definitely Tupelotu and Peely. And, and I I would have guessed going into spring that Tupelotu would be the guy there. And I, I would probably, if you forced me to make a prediction here, I'd probably still go with Tupelotu, specifically because I think that one thing that is really encouraging is that he played a pretty decent season. Like I, I always look at his numbers from 2018 and go like, Oh really? At 4.5 sacks. Like that's, that's pretty decent numbers uh, for a first year, first year starter. And this was a first year starter who, who was less than a year removed from uh, back surgery. And my constant refrain on back surgery is it's more than a year before you're back fully 
and 100% good to go. So now Marlon Tupelotu is in his second year removed from back surgery. And so I am my expectations for him as far as his explosiveness and just his strength and physicality and all of those things that come together um, are much higher. Uh, Peely surprised me in spring because he was just much better than I expected him to be. And I think it's really it's also really encouraging because that seemed to be a direct reaction to USC's coaches challenging him. Um, Clay Helton specifically said, or I think it was Clay Helton, it might have been Clancy Pendergast, specifically said that they looked at what he had done in his sophomore season and basically said, that's not good enough. And he took a step back and they 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 challenged him to be to be better to put more effort into to um really focus himself on taking that next step and in spring camp I thought he you could see him respond to that you could you could definitely see him respond to that to the point where I would have guessed that Marlon Tupelotu would come out and be the guy at the end of spring camp but increasingly I would not be surprised if fall camp ends and there's an or next to those names and it's not like a cop-out kind of or it's they might trade off back and forth isn't that a best case scenario too For sure. I, I, th- I think that if you're able to roll with um kind of all three of those guys peely Tufele, and tupelotu if you can yeah if they end up interchangeable i think that that's such a good thing for usc because you don't want that gap you you don't want you know tupelotu to be so much better than peely and that be a detriment for peely um uh, if Tui Pulotu is an All-American, and that's the reason that he has a big gap on Peely, that's a different story. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they're interchangeable, that would be fantastic. And I think that that's going to keep guys fresher. And that's kind of like why I like this defensive line, is that there's so many guys that it might force Clancy Pendergast to continue to rotate. We saw much more rotation last year than the year before, and then the year before that. Um, you have to think that he's just... Pendergast is going to continue to rotate more. Um, still probably not going to be as much as people would like. But I think when there's much, this much talent and there's this many veterans on the defensive line, they're going to earn the trust of Clancy Pendergast and and they're going to earn the tr- trust of new defensive line coach Chad Kauhaha and they're going to be able to essentially create a platoon in that sense. So, um, which allows SC to move different packages. We were going to see a lot of packages at linebackers. We're talking about linebackers tomorrow. Um, and I think there's optimism there for, for USC, especially up front. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how Chad Kauhaha sorts this all out because he seems to be judging the, his defensive lineman on, on slightly different criteria than Kenichi Odeze did. And so I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how he formulates a pecking order there and right. who is favored and, and who is not. And I, at this point, I, I don't know, but um, I, I've liked what I've heard from him when, when we've talked to him. So that'll be another factor in who is able to, to come out and break out and shine from this group. But like you said, like, I think there is a great deal of optimism because you are moving. You, you remember after 2016, I remember the conversations we all had about you know, Port Augustine and Chen Namosu had been first time starters in 2016. They were going to get better in 2017 just by the just by that experience. Right. And that right. came to pass. Both of them were all American level. Port, Port Augustine would have been an all American if he hadn't gotten gotten injured. I'm not saying that Tupelo two and, and 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 Tufele are going to be all Americans, but the experience that that those guys now had going into a second year of starting 
it's particularly on the defensive line. It, it matters having guys who are in their third year. That USC was starting a bunch of redshirt freshmen was a problem. Like that was a, a failure of the program to have not recruited better the years before and developed better and all that kind of stuff. So uh, the, your, the, the like, for instance, the breakdown of this group as far as the seniors and the juniors and the sophomores, like it's a much healthier kind of look as far as the numbers that you that you would like to see and the experience that they have. No doubt. Um, so if we're looking at this on the defensive tackle side of things, Jeju Valley starts, Tui Pelotu and Pili will battle for the other spot, and then you can put Trout, Taufoho, and Benton behind them um, in any order. That'll figure out itself uh, during fall and, camp. But And arguably Jacob Lichtenstein, because they he's he's kind of a utility defensive lineman, so they'll, they'll the, use the, him The Malik there. Dorton? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So let, let's talk about the defensive ends then. Uh, Christian Rector, we'll just ink him in to one spot. Yes. On the gun left. To your he- gun to your head, who starts the other side? Oh, lordy. Um, I... F- assuming that he has as good of a fall camp as he had a spring camp, assuming that he takes another step forward, Drake Jackson just looks like a bang-on starter. Like, you don't compare a dude to Leonard Williams and Rasheem Green and all those guys the way that they are with him if you're not really really confident in in what he's going to become so i think that drake jackson will uh maybe it's more 50 50 on whether he'll be a day one starter Mm -hmm. and if not i'll probably go connor murphy but i i just think jackson's gonna be a starter sooner than later and then how much do you think that it comes down to a platoon system based on package because i think that's Pretty likely, right? Like, yeah. That you're going to see Drake Jackson. You're going to see Nick Figueroa. You're going to see Lichtenstein and Tremblay. And if Murphy can take hold to this defensive end spot, you're going to see him. I think they're going to find a way to get those guys onto the field in certain packages and that that'll make it easier to plug and play rather than just having one guy take all those reps. Well, that'll be a reflection of what the players do, particularly in fall camp. Because For sure. We know this is Clancy Pendergast. We're not going to kid ourselves. If if the best players are out there and, and the other guys don't step up, then there is a strong probability that you will see a defensive line of Christian Rector, J2 Fele, Marlon Tupelotu, and, uh, and, and, you know, Drake Jackson. And those are the only guys you ever see. Like, that's entirely possible. If you see Connor Murphy, if you see Caleb Tremblay, Jacob Lichtenstein, um, Nick Figueroa, it's because those guys have earned it. Like I, like everyone else, I have been frustrated by Clancy Pendergast uh, and and his unwillingness to to play guys for one reason or another. But the one thing I do like about it is that you know that guys who are playing are, are doing so because the coaches are 1000% confident in them. And so if you see a guy out there, it's like there's no question about what the coach's opinion of him is. He's what got the, the coach's opinion is, uh, of him is, but there, there's still other questions. I mean, just to look back to the UCLA game and, and Ruben Peters, I mean, yes, we, we, but, we can we can talk about that discussion maybe oh, in, well, the, in the linebackers. Paulie not playing in that game spoke right. volumes about what the feelings about uh, his trustworthiness was right, right, and I'm not. I'm not saying that this is the right way to do it, but in terms of being able to interpret personnel moves, it's very black and white. 
So for our interpretation purposes, it, it kind of makes it easy uh, to, to, to understand where guys stand. Uh, that's all I'm saying. So it, again, if we see Connor Murphy, it's because Connor Murphy has is in the coach's good graces. And if we don't see him, then there's no question why he's not in there because he's not in the coach's good graces. For And the, the reasons behind that could be valid or invalid. I, I don't know. But right. As, at least again, as seen with Ruben Peters. Yes. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Example number one. Yeah. That 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 is the the bright side of it is that there's a, a clear there's a clarity. Exp- there is some sort of clarity in the in the in the murkiness of it of it all, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, but I still think they're gonna still mix in packages there. Um, and but like you said, it's going to be dependent on if those guys prove that they're worthy. Whoever that ends up being, um, they're going to have to um prove themselves to Clancy Pendergast and to Chad Kahaha. So we'll see that in the defensive line. Um, one player to watch that that you want to see more than anything in this group as a whole. Uh, I, I'm gonna actually go with Caleb Tremblay. We didn't really get to talk a lot about him, uh, and I already said my piece about Drake Jackson. Caleb Tremblay, I think, is is he somebody the most to prove. He might. I, I just. I, it's been so long since I've seen him. He was. He was very good last off season, and then he's just been unhealthy, like unavailable. And uh, being unavailable is a, is a problem, obviously. But what we saw of him last year in in the off season was strong enough of a showing to suggest that he could be a starter for USC. And so when we talk about well, who will be the starting four in this group? Does Caleb Tremblay have a role? where is that role? Because it's been so long since we've seen him play. I don't know if they're going to line him up at tackle, at end, at whatever variant thereof. So Caleb Tremblay, a healthy Caleb Tremblay, will have a ton to prove because there aren't a lot of opportunities on this defensive line. Like we talked about, three of the four positions are pretty well locked in to four players. And uh, playing time outside of those guys is going to revolve around sort of show me something here. And I think Caleb Tremblay has a lot to show because he's he's uh, a guy that there were big, big expectations for and he hasn't been able to live up to them. Yeah, same thing with, with Connor Murphy for different reasons. Uh, I would love to see Connor Murphy prove it. Um, I think that there's a lot there and I, I think he's 100% capable uh, and, and I want to see I want to see what he can do. Yeah, I mean, just from a just from a storytelling perspective, Connor Murphy succeeding would be a great story, I think, especially because think of all the ways that we could uh, fit in the the ginger mullet kind of discussions that can go on. Like, oh dear, I just I uh, you know I'm, I'm rooting for him too. <laughs> all right, all right, I'm just rooting for him because he's Connor Murphy. But yeah. you can root for him before the hair. That's fine. Yeah, the, the the hair is part of it. All right, all right. Uh, that's gonna wrap up our first preview position preview for uh for patreon thanks for listening as always we'll be back tomorrow to talk about the linebackers which is an interesting group because they're in a big transition too um the defensive line position group has kind of gotten bigger and the linebacker position has kind of gotten smaller even though usc has a million linebackers so we'll talk about that tomorrow here on patreon thanks for listening as always until then see ya see ya see ya
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.